Well, good morning to you and Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Josh Carter, and I know many of you. I served here at Tri-Cities for many years. Um, I'm actually a church planter. I'm a lead pastor of a, a church that you've planted, uh, or in the process of planting, uh, in Portland, Oregon, called Remedy City Church. And my wife and I happened to be in town, and Pastor Mike uh, just so graciously asked me to give you an update uh, of what's going on. And um, I want to tell you a quick story. I didn't say this in the first service, but I just had as we were singing that song, and I thought it was good to share this. I was going to bed last night, and God gave me this thought. Um, my sister and brother-in-law just this past year had adopted two kids, and I got to spend time with them while we were here, and um, I had this thought. Uh, we'll get teary-eyed because this is, this is pretty awesome. Um, they're adopted, and they have a, a mom and dad who love them. And Joel, their oldest boy, I was thinking to myself, you know, um, no matter what Joel does in life, no matter how much he even probably disobeys, and no matter what he goes through in life, there's nobody going to take his, the, the fact away that he has a daddy that loves him. And, uh, and I had that thought when I went to bed last night. And as a, as a, as a man um, who's now almost 35 years old, planting a church, uh, when we sing songs like, My Victory, His Blood is My Victory, like that's just good enough uh, for life. And um, so no matter what maybe you're going through today and no matter what this maybe year brings or what this past year brought in your life, um, nothing can take away that his blood is your victory and that all of us are adopted and no matter what you're going through or what you may think you can do to get away from him, you will never, ever get away from your daddy. And, um, and that's an incredible truth. And so I want to tell you a quick update real quick. Um, you're fixing to start a 30-day prayer journey. And um, this, you think this is an uh, accident that I'm here. This is actually God's way of convicting me and challenging me because over the last year, um, planting has taught me one thing, and it's probably probably one of the biggest lessons in life is that God cares more about what he does in me than he probably is even going to do through me. And, um, and so what he's been teaching me is something about prayer, and that the reason why I really haven't believed in prayer most of my life, and that's the reality, and because I haven't practiced it like I probably should, is because of this, is because it hasn't been a core value of my life. You know, you've, you, you actually practice what you value. And if you looked at my life, I really probably didn't value it enough because prayer was something I'd throw up every once in a while, and when things got really hard, I prayed more, but it wasn't a lifestyle. And over the last year, as you're planning a church in Northwest, I met a pastor last week who told me this. He said, Josh, over 93% of churches in, in Portland, Oregon fail. You know that, right? I thought, yes, thank you, Chuck. I know that. I appreciate the encouragement. Um, and he said, but I want you to know something. If God's in it, it's going to happen. And, uh, and so God's been blessing us. I and mean, we've been seeing incredible things happen in Northwest. And um, in our life and, and what God's done. But I'll tell you this, I truly believe that a couple of stories have happened solely because people have prayed. Uh, one story in particular, you got to watch a video a couple of weeks ago of a guy that I talked about um, for a while. And um, you heard me maybe in June talking a little bit about him, but um, he came into my life through Starbucks. I was working at Starbucks there in our community. And, and over a long period of time, months and months, six, seven months, um, just by reading the word of God um, and God's people praying one prayer. Um, he came to Christ recently, and God has radically changed his life. And um, it's, it's, it's changed my life in the process. And here's what I learned. When we would go around and ask people, I just asked you in June, I said, if, if you could pray one thing for us, pray this. I'd say, pray for one death to life story. I want to see, like, more, we got to plant a church. So the reality is, is either people are going to come to Jesus and we plant a church, or we're not going to plant a church because there's not enough Christians to go around to actually plant churches by starting new churches. So, so you actually got to reach people. And that was a hard thing for me to actually realize. And so I 
started praying that. And I spent all my time going after these other people. And God brought this guy in my life. And I really believe it's because you were praying. And people prayed that we'd see one death a life story. And three weeks before we came to Christ, um, our group was in three different churches um, were praying over us in the city. And the church I was in, I asked that. And they got there on their knees, their congregation did, about 150 of them, 200, which is a big church in Portland. They got on their knees and they prayed for one death to life story. That's all they prayed. One death to life story. And three weeks later, Wayne came to Christ. And I'm telling you, this guy's like a brother. Um, and he's so crazy. The first time in my life, this guy imitates everything I do. And so I started realizing, gosh, I actually got to be a disciple because this guy actually copies me. And, um, and it's been phenomenal. And then we said, okay, God, God's given us a, we have, we have around 80 so people on our service and half of those are kids, and we're going nuts. And, and about 40-some adults, and we're so multi-theological. I don't like that. I mean, there's one truth, but, like, they're all over the place. And so um, we're, we're, every time I say something from stage, i got to, like, have, you know, 20 meetings to explain what I mean by that. And, and so it's this incredible thing. But what's happening is I start realizing we need laborers. Like, I, I can't do this by myself. I'm so tired. I'll be honest. Like, I just can't do it anymore by myself. And so, so what I realized was, God, would you bring us laborers that know what prayer is, even more than me, that know what it means to, to obey your word and to live out of the overflow? Would you give me laborers like that? And so I started asking people, I said, would you pray for laborers? And so just recently, um, we had a family move up from us. Let me tell you this story, a really quick story. Um, they were our first mission trip ever to Portland, Oregon. They're from Las Vegas, Nevada, from Hope Church there. And they came up, and this man and his wife came. And he came because his wife drug him to, you know, drag him to come, drug him, drug, drug him, that's him bad. Probably drugged him to come. And, um, and, uh, and he came, and, he, and they were there, and, and he was in my room, uh, in my house during orientation. And in the orientation, we're talking about what the church is and why it's different here and all that. And he's hearing this stuff, and he gets so convicted by it, and God just starts stirring him. He, he didn't have a clue what I'm saying. He goes back to Las Vegas, Nevada. It was a youth leader at the church, at Hope Church. Goes to youth camp that summer, gets saved. Okay, a youth camp. A youth leader gets saved. God radically changes this guy's life. I mean, rad- when you get Jesus, like Wayne, my buddy Wayne, who just came to Christ, like I don't have to tell him to tell people about Jesus, and I don't have to tell him to get in the Word. Like, it just happens. And, and so this guy named Robert, him and his wife, just moved up a week ago to be a part of Ruby City Church in Portland, Oregon. God saved the guy in Las Vegas, Nevada. We've been praying for laborers. God brings a laborer who is radically just, just overflowing with the Holy Spirit and is now in Portland, Oregon, and he's wearing me out. Like, he sends me scripture every day. I'm like, are you in scripture every, all the time? Yes. Okay, gosh. And, uh, and so it's incredible. And so I say this, I say all that to say this. You're fixing to go to a 30-day month of prayer. Don't be like me. And you sit there and you say, that's cool. And you print something off of a website and you throw prayer up once, once in a while. If you actually want to see God work, I actually believe that it actually is his work. And if prayer is really important, then prayer is the work. And so I pray this, this 30, these 30 days that you'd be maybe just one thing that you're going to beg God for. And then you're going to be intentional to look for him, to expect it to happen. Expect it to happen. And then every day in every conversation, you're looking for God. That's what prayer should be. And so I want to pray that over you, and I want to pray that in our life. And I pray this year will be a year where we're praying, expecting God to do great things, and we're attempting to do great things because we expect God to do them. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, this moment's yours. Lord, this is your word. It's fixing to open up. 
I love this man who's fixing to preach. God, I pray a blessing over him. God, I pray that even as he opens this word and he shares your word, God, you would just so flow through him. The Holy Spirit, you would so flow through him with such power and might. Your word would be, we don't ask it, ask it to come alive. It is alive. God, would you just open our eyes to our need to pray, to be people. God, dependence is not something, God, that's taught. It's caught. And it's usually in the bottom, God. It's in the bottom of our lives when you open our eyes to our need for you. And I pray that you would just, just in some way in everybody's life and however it needs to be translated in their life, God, would you convict them as you are convicting me now that we need to not just pray. We need to be people of prayer and a lifestyle of it. And I pray that over this church. I pray that over us in Portland, Oregon, God. We see great things happen this year, not because of great ministry that we do, God, but because of great ministry that you do in and through us, God, because we are praying and expecting you to do it. I pray a blessing over this church. Thank you for their support. God, their love for us. God, would you bless them greater than they could ever hope or expect. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Folks, as Josh makes his way off, you know Josh and Amy, they are us. You get to have a part in what God's doing in Portland, Oregon. So would you just encourage Josh and Amy and let them know you love them, you're with them. Thank you, my brother. All right, well, let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke is where we're going to be in just a few minutes. Luke 11, we'll get there in a little bit. Now you get to hear sermon number two. All right, thanks, Josh. It was awesome. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, this journey that as a church we're preparing to launch into. And there's really a conviction personally that's kind of driving this from the Word of God. And that's it, that if, if we as God's people believed a fraction of what the Bible says about prayer, our lives and our habits would look totally different, right? I mean, we really believed, you know, you, you only do what you really believe and everything else is just religious talk, right? But if we really believed the promises of God in Scripture of what He chooses to do when His people pray, then I really think our days and our moments and our activities and our habits and our pursuit of Him would look different. So what we're attempting to do as a church family for the next 31 days of the month of January is to hold out for you what the Word of God says about prayer. We want to claim promises, like we said earlier, James says, the effective prayers of a righteous man accomplish much. It seems somehow, some way, when it comes to this thing of prayer, there are some things God will do when His people pray that He chooses to not do when we don't pray. I don't understand that. That seems to be a reality of Scripture and for us as His people. So for the next 31 days, we're going to hold out what God's Word says about this practice, this discipline, this habit, this gift called prayer. Now your elders are praying over you. I'm praying over you. We're praying for one another. We're praying fervently. And Josh mentioned some of these. And you're going to hear this come out today. And you're going to hear it come out over the the series. We're, 
we're praying, and one of the reasons, and I hope God does this in your heart, like I hope He's doing it in my heart, is I hope out of prayer that we realize there is an intimacy, a growing communion and fellowship with God that only happens as a result of Bible-saturated, fervent prayer. In other words, I hope God stirs something in me and in us as a people that we say, yes, Lord, I, I'm a believer, I know you. As Josh said, I'm your son, we're adopted, we're in. We are never out of your hand, but I am not satisfied with where my relationship is with you. I'm not, I'm not dependent like I want to be. I mean, listen, it's the first day of the rest of the year. You have no idea what tomorrow brings. We live with an illusion of control. Let me just remind you of something. You have zero control. Zero. And it's in prayer that we come to know even more intimately this God who loves us. And His plan for us and His plan for the world and it's in prayer. I'm hoping and praying that we will grow deeper in our communion and our dependency and love for our Heavenly Father. Listen, I'm praying that we'll grow deeper in our love and our commitment to one another as a people, as a church. You see through the book of Acts as they prayed with one another and they prayed for one another. There was a devotion for one another that came. It seemed as they learned to pray with one another and over one another and for one another. And we long for that for you as a church that we're not a church of spectators and we're not a church of folks that just come in and take in the service. And we are desperately devoted to one another as the church, as the people of God. We want that for you. I think that happens as we pray for one another and over one another and the power in our lives that sometimes we miss john piper said no power or he said no prayer no power in your life maybe you look at things in your life and areas of your life whatever it may be and you think i feel powerless there seems to be no impact what what is it maybe it's this power that we've been entrusted of prayer is simply on the sidelines somewhere in our life so many things we could talk about. The impact of our church and our community and the impact of what God's doing in this church in your life and the ends of the earth. We want that to flow out of our fervent, Bible-saturated prayer over the next 31 days and beyond. We're not going to stop praying after 31 days, by the way. Yeah, it's just kind of a focus for the next few months. So what's that going to look like? Let me tell you what that's going to look like, and then we're going to open up God's Word, and we're going to remind you of some truths this morning about prayer. Let me... Let me just quickly tell you some of the aspects of the journey over the next few weeks together. Uh, first, we've, our team's put this together, and we used this last year, and it's so good, we just want to use it again this year. We printed for you a 31-day prayer guide. This has a specific topic and focus and um, direction to pray for 31 days. You can get this on the app. You can get this online. You can get a paper copy as you leave this morning. This was written by you, members of our church, and the idea is for 31 days... We as a church will be praying the same thing on the same day together. I encourage you to pick this up and put it with your Bible and use it in your time with the Lord. Secondly, in your groups, as your life groups come together, our life groups pray together on a regular basis, but for the next 31 days, especially as we gather, we want to fervently pray with one another and for one another and lift one another up in prayer. I'll just say again, if you are not a part of a life group here at Tri-Cities, 
It's a brand new year, and I strongly encourage you. That little card in front of you is a great tool. You can stop by the booth as you leave out at the hub or go online and say, I want to connect to the life of this church. I don't want to feel like I'm on the outside anymore. I'm going to get involved in a, a life group here, and our life groups will be following this. And then thirdly, uh, next five Sundays, we're going to walk through different aspects of prayer from God's Word together here and in Johnson City, both campuses. So let me, let me challenge you from the outset to do this. Today's January 1st, rest of January. I want to encourage you to make a decision today that's this. I'm not going to miss a Sunday in the month of January. I'm going to be there as a part of this prayer series. I'm going to be there as a part of what my church family is doing. I'm going to participate. I'm not going to miss a Sunday in the month of January. I encourage you to make that decision today. Hey, let me get in your business even a little bit more. Ready? I encourage you to be here every Sunday and I encourage you to be here on time. Hello? You say, now you're really meddling in my business. The point of that is, I am so committed to my church family. I so value the gathering of God's people. I'm going to get up 10 minutes early. I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to eat less breakfast. Whatever it is, I'm going to be there on time. Ready to worship with God's people and be a part of what God is doing there. All right? So that's what the journey is going to look like for us over the next few weeks encourage you to be a dynamic part of it so what i want to do in just the time i have remaining and then we're going to end our time in a season of prayer this morning we're going to kick this season off by doing what god says we're going to pray i want to hold out just a few truths i want to remind you of a few things the bible has to say about this thing called prayer okay we're going to end up in luke 11 in just a minute but let me quote a man named martin lloyd jones he said this, prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his highest and greatest when he is upon his knees, when he comes face to face with God. It is the highest activity of the human soul and therefore it is at the same time the ultimate test of a man's true spiritual condition. That's convicting. There is nothing that reveals the truth about us as Christians so much as our prayer life. So if you were, to, you were to be real honest this morning with yourself and kind of look over your commitment or involvement in prayer, what would it say about your walk with the Lord right now? So we want to challenge one another to devote ourselves to prayer. Now, I'm going to share with you about five truths this morning that the Bible says about prayer. We're going to land in Luke 11 in just a minute, but here's the first one. You all know these. These are simply reminders. Number one, I want to remind you from Scripture that prayer is talking with God. Now listen to Psalm chapter 4, verse 3. You just look up on the screen. You don't have to look it up. It says this. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. Now listen to this. The Lord hears when I call to him. Now we could stop right there and go home and have enough to radically change our prayer life if we really believe that. That when I, when I utter a prayer, when I, when I begin to I turn my attention to the God of heaven, the creator of all that is, the Lord, the God of heaven, inclines his ear to me. Marvelous. That's staggering. The God who at this present time, Colossians says, is holding all things together by the word of his power, turns his ear to his children when they cry out to him in prayer amazing prayer is talking 
with God. Secondly, prayer is directed to a sovereign God. Now this is one of those other ones, if we really believed that, I, I think it would change the way we react to situations. I think that it would change the way we approach situations. I think it would change our habits in our day if we realized, okay, I'm as a child of God in Christ, I'm praying God hears me. God cares, 1 Peter 5 says. And not only that, he is absolutely sovereign in all things. Daniel chapter let me just read this. This is Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. Formerly wicked king Nebuchadnezzar, God radically transformed his life, says this. But by the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. Now listen, next rest of the verse. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is endures from generation to generation keep going all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among all the inhabitants of the earth no one can ward off his hand or say to him what have you done if we believed that it would radically change our relationship with the Lord that no matter what enters my life, no matter what comes around the corner, no matter what I face, the sovereign God hears me and no one can ward off his hand. He does as he chooses. Nothing enters into my life that doesn't go through his hand. He hears my prayers and he has absolute authority and power over sickness, over situations at work. You hear this wayward child or this situation and we get so rightly grieved about it. God, I'm going to plead for the soul of this person. Listen, there's some people who say this, and I've heard this argument before. They say, you know, if God is really sovereign, then why pray? I mean, he's going to do whatever he wants to do, so why pray? Flip that around. If God is not sovereign, then what's the use of praying? That God would make a suggestion, or God might try his best, or God might say, well, I'll do my best. You know, you call people on the phone and say, well, we'll do my best. No, God doesn't do that. God is absolutely in control and sovereign, and it's that God that we're praying to, and he hears our prayer. Thirdly, prayer is Bible-saturated. Now, we're going to spend a whole Sunday talking about this uh, in the next few weeks, but the idea that I don't know that there's anything personally that energizes or empowers or awakens your personal prayer life as to take the living word of God and pray the word of God back to God. Or to be people of the book to the point that what, what your thoughts and your prayers and the way you pray and the way you pray about things is so saturated with God's word and his truth that Jesus could say something like John 15, 7 in the passage where he's talking about the vine and the branches he says in verse 7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you your mind your soul is saturated with the truth of what God has said then he says ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you and the reason he says that is because when we're saturating our soul and our mind with the word of God it changes what we ask for 
and we find ourselves asking for things that are consistent with his will and with his word. And God honors his word and his promises. Why would he not do what we ask that's according to his word? He keeps his promises. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Fourthly, very quickly. Prayer involves praise, it involves confession, it involves thanksgiving, it involves petition. We'll talk about all those aspects. Prayer involves praise, like we've done here this morning. It involves confession, thanksgiving, petition. Nehemiah chapter 1, I'll read this very quickly. We're going to look at this in a few weeks. Nehemiah gets a really bad report from Jerusalem. He's in a foreign land. He hears about his people who are in Jerusalem. Things are not going well. And he says, Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love to those who love him and obey his commandments. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day. He praises and then he confesses. And he says, I confess that we have sinned against you. Listen, here's my prayer for me and for us over the next few days especially. I, I pray that God breaks us. I pray that whether it's in your own personal time or whether it's in your life group or whether it's in this corporate gathering that God takes His Word and the Spirit of God so, so speaks into your life through His living, active Word that you realize, God, I have been wrong here. God, I've been believing something that's a lie. I've been chasing something that's not even true. Or I've been settling for something less than what you have for me and for your people. And it turns into confession and repentance. And God's grace floods our lives. I pray that happens. And fifthly, a couple more things about prayer. And then we're going to spend some time praying together this morning. Fifthly. One of the most convicting things in this whole area of prayer is simply this, is that Jesus prayed. <laughs> and it's impossible to get around the reality when you look at the Gospels and you follow the life of Jesus that he did not have a vibrant, robust prayer life. It's better to say he was just a person of prayer. He was a man of prayer. There were seasons of prayer that he would pull aside and cry out to his father. There seemed to be a constant conversation, if you will, going on between he and his father. Jesus Christ, the God-man, prayed. What about you and me? Mark one thirty-five says, in the early morning, that's everyone's least favorite phrase, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Luke 5.16 says, He himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Luke 11 is a testimony about the prayer life of Jesus. He models prayer and then he teaches his disciples there something about prayer. I want to look at that really quick and then we're going to spend some time praying together as a congregation this morning. So Luke 11 verse 1, with all this said, it Gives us a little insight into the prayer life of Jesus. Verse 1 says, It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples says to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John also taught his disciples. So we see here that Jesus had a habit of praying. He had a certain place that he prayed. There were seasons where he started to pray and then he finished praying. And then there was a continuation of this posture of prayer toward his father. Jesus models that. Incredibly convicting and challenging and also empowering to us to know that's the spirit of Jesus within us. Jesus prayed. 
And secondly, Jesus taught us to pray. So his disciples say, okay, Jesus, we've been watching you. We've been observing your prayer life. We see this intimacy with the Father. We see this power of your praying. We know that John used to teach his disciples a certain way to pray. And In those days, what rabbis would do is they would write out these long prayers for their, their disciples, and they would give them these long prayers. And that's probably what the disciples had in mind, and Jesus is saying, wait, I'm not going to give you this long prayer to pray and recite out of rote, you know, just repetition. He said, I'm going to teach you some principles about prayer. And I'm going to give you two this morning for the sake of time, and then we're going to go to the Lord together. Look with me at verse 2 here. Two things Jesus teaches his disciples here specifically, and I think is teaching us about prayer. Number one is this. He said to them, when you pray... Say, Father, Father, Father. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You have to understand, for Jesus to say it that way was scandalous in that day. The the idea in that time of coming to the the Lord, the, the God of heaven, his Father was somewhat scandalous in what Jesus is saying. Because of your relationship with me, because you're, you're in Christ, because of the atonement I'm going to provide. And it says, you can go to the Father, the creator of all that is, you go to him as Father. And here's what Jesus was teaching, and here's what I do not want us to forget over the next 31 days is this. Jesus teaches this principle. It's the principle of intimacy. And here's what I mean. The primary goal of prayer is God himself. The primary goal of my prayer life, of what Jesus has entrusted and given to me, this gift of prayer, is that I commune and fellowship and know and am walking in a vibrant, dynamic relationship with God himself. Jesus said, pray this way, Father. And it was an invitation for us, and I, I hope for me and for you, we look as the, the new year kicks off, we say, I'm not content, and I'm not satisfied with where my dynamic relationship with God is. Would we be bold enough to say something like this, like Moses in Exodus 33 who said, Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. Moses had already seen God lead the children of Israel through the Red Sea. He had seen God provide manna. He had seen some incredible things. I mean, Moses walked with God. And in Exodus 33, he says, but I'm not satisfied. God, I want more of you. My soul is longing for more of you. Watch this. Don't let prayer be the goal of the next 31 days. Jesus himself is your goal. See, prayer can sometimes even be a distraction for us. Remember the Pharisees? Oh, they prayed high prayers. They prayed these religious prayers. And Jesus said, you're wasting your time. You know why? Because your heart's far from me. Jesus said that the goal of your praying is is this intimate, dynamic, flourishing, thriving relationship with God Himself. Don't let prayer and the activity of it be the end game. He is the end game. Let me quickly illustrate this for you, because this is so important, and I'm going to give you the last time we're going to pray. Let, let me illustrate this for you this way. All right, men, 
Husbands, I'm going to set you up right now. You ready? If you dozed off, wake up. Here you go. Sometimes, or, or husbands should pursue their wife. Guys, you missed it. Let me try it again. Husbands should pursue their wife. Yeah. What if next Friday night I take Jennifer on a date and we go to the Pinnacle, my favorite place. We go catch a movie. We go get dinner. We go spend time together. And I come back and one of you guys asks me, say, man, how was your date night? And here's what I say. I say, man, the food was awesome. The restaurant was incredible. The movie was amazing. They have these seats that like lay flat. I mean, they're just awesome. And you're raving. I'm just raving about the date night. And I don't say a single thing about her. Because my focus became the activity of the date night when my purpose and my goal was her. See, we can, we, can, we can let prayer be the end game. I just want you to keep in mind, Jesus said your goal is nothing less than God himself. And I pray for you, and I pray for me, and I pray for us at the end of 31 days. Not that we could say, look, we prayed all this, we prayed more, we prayed... We know God like we've never known him before. Father. Then Jesus says... Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. The word there is simply the word I want to use is the word impact, meaning there's a pursuit of intimacy when we pray and there's a realization that prayer is an incredibly impactful thing. And here's what Jesus seems to teach us. God chooses to accomplish his purposes through the prayers of his people. God is not dependent upon my praying. God is dependent upon absolutely nothing, but He chooses to do His purposes through the prayers of His people. I don't understand it. I don't know why He does it that way, but He allows me to be a part of what He's doing. Look look throughout the Old Testament. Men like Abraham, how did they know what God was doing? Abraham! You're going to be be wrought up from here. I'm calling you to this other land. You're going to leave your homeland. You're going to go. I'm going to start a new nation. All that came out of Abraham's time with God. That he knew what God was doing. Noah, through prayer. Noah, build an ark. I'm going to flood the earth. Here's what I'm doing. You get to be a part of it, Noah. On and on you see this pattern in Esther and Hannah and Joshua and David and Paul and men and women of the Bible. Who God used their prayers. God used their prayers to accomplish His purposes. Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come. Lord, we want to align ourselves, our lives, our energies, our focus, our year with what you are doing. God, through your word, as we're seeking you in prayer, God, show us what you're doing. And we align ourselves with what you're doing. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want, to, I want us to do exactly what the Bible says. Jesus continues on that story there. You can read that in Luke 11. He talks about persistence. Ask, seek, knock. He talks about we pray as a child with our father. If we pray and our, our father, we ask for an egg, he's not going to give us a scorpion, meaning trust your father, he's good. So this morning, as God's people, I want us to begin in a season of prayer and what 
I'm going to do in just a moment. Our team's going to come on, and they're just going to play for a few moments. I'm going to invite us to enter into a posture of prayer as a church. And I'm going to invite you to do this. I'm going to invite you to simply come down and make this front a place to pray. If you feel comfortable kneeling, I invite you to do that. If you want to stand, that's fine. If you want to stay in your seat, you can certainly do that. But I would love for us as a church to take on this posture of prayer. First fruits, Lord, we're giving you the first of our year. It's all yours. We're dedicating it to prayer. And I'm going to guide you through a few specific things to pray about as you're here. And then Pastor Paul's going to come and close that time. So as our team prepares, I'm going to simply invite you in just a moment. Just come down and kind of assemble here. And I'm going to throw out some things. I'm going to invite you to pray. Pray out loud. Pray as families. Pray as couples, individuals, however you choose to do that. And I want us to take God at His word. The effective prayers of God's people accomplish much. So this time I just want to invite you just to get up from where you're seated. Just come on down. Let's make this place down front a place of prayer. And invite you to come as individuals, as families. And let's begin to pray and I'll guide us through. So as you're making your way down, I'm going to give you a few things that we're going to pray about. You can have sit on the pew if you'd like, the stairs. Everybody just begin to make your way down. And let's enter into a season of prayer together. you as you find your place there. We're just going to pray as Scripture guides us to pray. If you will, I want you to take a minute and simply as Jesus instructed us, He says, Father, hallowed be thy name. I want you to take a minute and I just want you to call it to your Father. I want you to praise Him, thank Him, honor Him, Celebrate who God is. Just take a minute and cry out to your Father. And I wonder if you'd be bold enough this morning to say, God, I'm not satisfied with where I am in my relationship with you. Would you create a fervent hunger in my life for you? God, I want more. Would you pray like Moses? God, show me your glory. I'm not content with where I am. So just begin to pray along those lines now. encourage you now to pray for your church family, your brothers and sisters. Maybe a particular family, a particular individual, but the book of Acts says that they were devoted to one another. The desire of your elders, the desire of your leadership is that this year we we grow in our love for one another and our devotion to one another and what it means to be a part of this church. That we were able to say, I love my church. I love the people. Devoted, committed to this church family. Just 
begin to pray for your brothers and sisters and for this church that God would do that in our lives. to pray this way for just a minute in total openness and honesty before the Lord we prepared to study through the book of Acts in just a few months it was very clear that the spirit of God was in control of the people of God and we want to be able to pray Lord is there anything in my life that is quenching your spirit is there anything in my life that is hindering the activity of your spirit is there anything right now that God I need to confess God, I need to repent. I need to plead for your grace. I need to claim the grace that's mine in Christ. Spirit of God, would you show me anything right now that's hindering the activity of your spirit? Would you pray that way for just a minute? take a moment I pray that God breaks our hearts starting with me for those around us that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ they are lost as we begin a brand new year we are surrounded with people who are believing a lie they do not know Christ and they are living in darkness would you pray God give me boldness God would you break my heart God, would you unleash me with the gospel? God, help me to believe that the gospel is the power of God in the salvation. I will be a living witness for you. Would you pray that way?